like the narrator is very formal, very instructive. Oh, jeez. What? What? <laughs> I just hit the space bar. Uh, oh, did you stop your which recording? Which apparently paused Audacity and Hell made yeah. it start playing from the beginning. Fix it in post. Fix it in post. Hey, welcome to Game Club. My name's McCoy. I'll be your guide. At the moment, we're in a trial period. We're running around trying to figure it all out. So what that means is that each one of us is picking a game for the week and everyone plays it. They're typically short experiences, bite-sized ones you can get done in a week, or at least you don't have to beat it necessarily in that week, although we typically have been going for that. You just need to have experienced it and to understand it. Uh, in the future, we may not have that format. We may end up, and I, I really hope we do, go towards longer experiences in some moments where we're playing multiple weeks to get through an experience and, and touching base every time. But uh, until then, what we're doing to sort of get our bearings is these fast little experiences. And this week we played something called The Beginner's Guide, which is a very strange game. It's been described as a walking simulator, which apparently is just a category now, and I missed that one. But uh, all right, fair enough. It's uh, an artsy game where you sort of walk through the creations of a particular sort of recluse game designer. And through those creations, you sort of reverse engineer the person. And um, it's a really cool experience, uh, really powerful, really intense. And uh, once it gets its teeth into you, it's going to sink them. So be ready. But uh, yeah, we're going to go over that today. Um, it's going to be really fun. Uh, yeah, check it out. Let's see here. So I'm going to reference this nice podcast outline that Zoe was nice enough to make. Um, but basically it just says we should all introduce ourselves, which sounds very reasonable to me. Um, so I'll start. My name's McCoy. Uh, I talk a lot and you'll notice that, but I wanted to preface it so that, um, yeah, just to like set expectations properly for people. Cause it's tough. Um, and I can see it in the waveform after when I'm editing, it's like, Hmm. And I like, I'm trying to like, cause they all come in. Sometimes they come in not named. And I like look at them and I'm like, I wonder which one's mine. And it's the one with just like noise just everywhere. But um, yeah, fun fact. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, maybe, should I like, I'll pass. I'll pass the baton. Adam, you introduce yourself. Okay, cool. Uh, picking on me already. Um, so I'm Adam Stafford. Um, by trade, I'm a software developer. Um, but I've had a thing for games for a long time. Um, mostly my focus when looking at games is with um, like the mechanical type things, like how the systems interact. That's usually how I approach uh, game design and, and looking at games. I say game design as if I've ever really made a game. Technically, I have. They don't exist anymore, and that's good. Um, yeah, uh, so that's that's kind of my shtick. Um, I'm more on the mechanical, technical side of things. Um, James, how about you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm James, James Harold, I guess. Uh, wow, everyone's I... going last name now. <coughs> I really just didn't get there, but okay. It's McCoy Tamler, by the way. Oh, God. Use of McCoy. Uh, <laughs> yep. I, uh, you know, I, I love playing games. I, uh, I kind of suck at a lot of them. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I like analyzing uh, various aspects of them and figuring out why I like playing shitty games. Um, and yeah, that's about it, I guess. Wow! So remember the part where you're life. supposed to pass it to someone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, 
This is not a popcorn system. This is a baton system. Right. Very All right. Different. So I'm passing the baton <laughs> to Zoe. All right. Hi, I am Zoe Beckett. I'm friends with all of these wonderful people with me. Uh, I have played games uh, mainly all my life. However, I mainly stick to narrative-based games, a lot of walking simulators. I like games with a bunch of symbolism and a lot of meaning to them. And yeah. What are you, Hi, Gabe. Hello. (laughs) Uh, I'm Gabe, um, and I have also been playing games most of my life. Uh, and I, I don't really know what I look for in a game, but I enjoy kind of playing the wide spectrum, whether it's, uh, a delicious narrative, uh, or it's just kind of some casual mindless fun. Um, but I do enjoy seeing kind of analyzing why I like playing certain games and why maybe others I don't enjoy, uh, such as last week's game. Uh, but yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. I was actually playing a little game with myself of like how long was it going to take before someone punched Adam virtually for last <laughs> Adam, week. Like, still. I'm sorry, Adam. <laughs> just, just in case we never released the first episode, la- last time we played Starseed Pilgrim, and pretty much everyone universally did not like this game. Um, and I have been meaning to go back and play it again, actually, because I guess I'm weird and masochistic. I was going to say you're some sort of sadist. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm definitely a sadist. I'm going to keep making you guys play indie bullshit, by the way. There's, that's not going to end. <laughs> I know. It almost makes so... I would occasionally choose indie bullshit myself, but knowing that you have that covered, it starts to make me think differently about my own choices. <laughs> Actually, one thing I did notice about uh, the Beginner's Guide is uh, some of the audio work was done by the same guy from Starseed Pilgrim, Ryan Roth. Really? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Small world, oh. huh? Yeah, very small world. Oh, that's just very weird. They're just the king of the weird, echoey, reverby. Yeah, but like, like I liked his yeah. work, so I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, that was the the one thing you were able to compliment from Starseed Pilgrim, huh? Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a game. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of liked it, honestly. Well, but, I, especially if yeah, you listen to that shit. One. Like Adam, by the end, is starting to like convince himself. That he loves this game, and like he, he and I maybe you came on like within with that opinion. That's fine too. But it's like this one of these things where you were very like soft spoken about it at first. Like, yeah, I think it has some interesting elements. And by the end, you were like, no, you don't understand. Like, these are great choices. They're not levels. We're stuck. We gotta stop calling them le- like you know. It just like you. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. I, I mean, I guess that. it's as part of as we do this, we kind of figure out what. And okay, maybe we should actually just get into to the game we're actually supposed to talk this week instead of having. Um, like what? What is it? The world's worst podcast, where they they look at um, Paul Blart Mall Cop two every week for a year or something like that. What the hell? Um, yeah, can every the, week the, just be Starseed Pilgrim? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I think we might be able to spend fully a year on that game, being obsessed and insane with it. Um, but uh, yeah, let's not actually do that, please. Yeah. Please. Okay. Yeah, that seems fair enough. Well, let's do it. Let's dive in, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. So. I guess we'll start with like a brief just idea of what the game is. So it's it's an artsy indie game where uh, you described it as a walking simulator. Is that a real thing? Is that a real yes. term? Real quick, yeah, I want to like make sure to get this in here. Um, like as far as this goes, for if if anyone ever actually listens to this thing, um, like these are not going to be spoiler free at all. Like there's no way we can actually discuss mm-hmm. a lot of these things in like 
not get into the nitty gritty about what they are and like oh the ending so like if if again if you are one of the three people who will ever listen to this um be aware of that <laughs> yeah. shout out to my mom yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of our moms. Wow, we couldn't even get all of our moms to listen. Like only yeah. like three of our moms. Oh, there's no way. Yeah, my mom would not listen to this shit. No yeah, way. mine neither. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that the spoiler topic is is a, is perfect. Just because like not only are they not spoiler free, they're like actively spoilers. That's like the whole yeah. purpose. We, we I think we think the beauty is getting into the nitty gritty details of the spoilers. So. If you don't like that, turn it off. But also, what the fuck are you doing in a game club podcast? Like, yeah, I'm right. kind of putting this back on reading. you, that third listener. I'm trying to make sure he never comes back. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing, Yeah, man? fuck you, third guy. Yeah, if, Damn, if you want to listen to our podcast, thing. you now have to go and play Starseed Pilgrim. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> you have to start our podcast yeah. chronologically with episode one. And you have to listen to them in that order, despite the fact that they are different games and totally self-contained. Yeah. They're not totally self-contained because we've mentioned Starseed Pilgrim many times already. <laughs> exactly. And just like the beginner's guide, these games are not self-contained, right? Right? Oh, right. nice segue there. there. Back in. Flow through them all. Oh, my God. So, I yeah, I mean, basically, it's this very weird walking simulator, which, I don't know, just means, like, there's a lot of narrative and a lot of story, and they're going to try to, like, just show you things. It's almost like, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of, like, what museum tours will be like in VR in the future. Is kind of what it reminds me of. It's like having like a like a steward or something like walk you through. Um, so this is something that I, I want to make sure doesn't get left behind. But I want to ask the question perhaps later after we've gone over it a little bit more. But is this a game? I think that's a question we should ask. Um, does this yes. count? And what is a game to us? Um, yes. But we can well, get, that's we can a perfect place to start. No, no, no. Oh, I'm into okay. it. Um, I feel like I would say yes, but I certainly haven't like thought it all the way through necessarily but to me you know it's interesting to think that you could create something that's not a game like in a game engine i mean you definitely could um but there's you get some aspect of control and there is some element of you walking through the level and triggering certain things and so you can sort of set the pacing yourself you can set what you watch and stuff like that and i feel like that interactable element is 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 a game to me i'm curious what other people think so for me um it's Okay, so my initial reaction to, is to say, no, this is not a game, um, because you don't really make choices. Like, you do things and it advances the plot, but it's really more like a a painting, except the way you interact with it is not just by looking at it, it's by pressing W, A, S, and D, and spacebar occasionally, and E occasionally, and, and this is how you actually kind of advance through it. Um, so it's really kind of a combination poem, painting, curated art experience. Um... And then I kind of think about that and I say, well, there is interaction, there is choices there, and that's, but it all has to happen in your head. So the question is, is like, how you actually parse the art that's in front of you. Um, and so that's, it's closer to a book or a painting, I think, than to a game. Um, to me, a game has to have, I guess, meaningful choices. Um, mm. And I don't believe the beginner's guide does. And again, that's not to denigrate it in any way. I think that's just, is it a game? I would say probably not so you would say that none of coda's games are games either um let's see uh yes yes yeah, I, would say, I would say that that's very interesting because i think in, in my opinion i think this is by technicality a game um and i can see a lot of games out there that maybe i don't agree with but i would still consider them uh games but with this game you also have this like kind of narrative of 
Uh, I think it would, uh, I guess my opinion would be kind of more with Coda's where he would view his creations as games, even though maybe there's no end goal or there's no like, you know, definitive finish. But I think then there's also uh, Davies' um, opinion on the games, even as you're playing them, that these are not actual games because there is no like clear goal or definitive ending. Um, so it's, it was kind of cool to see that kind of constant tug of war between these uh, these two narratives um, and now to see this kind of between us as well. So you're saying Adam is trying to attack Coda again for the for the non-game <laughs> nature. I, yeah. I don't think I'm attacking it because it's I think it was good. It was valuable. It was really interesting. Um, but as far as whether or not it counts as a game, uh, like it, it's just a matter of definitions. Uh, like it's made in a yeah. game engine, but it is not a game. It's it's a painting right. poem kind of thing. Um, mm. And from like Coda, the character Coda's perspective, I'm fairly certain Coda is not real. Um, yes, no. That's that's yeah. I, I started. I picked up on that in like game number two or whatever. Uh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. how would some in- indie bullshit nerd doing game jams have a professional level voice actor um, voicing a line in their game? Anyway. Oh, the like um, the like the female voice that comes in somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was the that. first tip off that something was odd there. Although I really should have just known immediately because Stanley Parable. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, it's not an attack. It's just yeah, you're uh, right. Bad choice words there. He, 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 it's like painting therapy, but using a game engine instead of acrylics. See, well, but what's interesting about that is that I mean, I, I definitely see your point on that. But there's something to be said about like, especially when you enter some of those spaces, like the way that they convey this sort of. I don't know, it's like I would never get this sort of presentation, I feel like, from a movie. Because there was something about, like, me going in and looking around and taking my time in some of the areas, especially ones with all the little, like, you know, Dark Souls-style chat things on the ground that, that no one actually left, but the premise is that someone could have left them. And, like, <clears throat> just walking around that and just taking my time and, and, and choosing the pace of the thing itself, that's one of the things that I think is so interesting about video games. It's something that I find really interesting about Let's Plays in general, is that I find a lot of people's choice and pacing to be really off-putting to me like they're either really fast through the game or you know they're talking over the game or whatever and some people really like that and some people are really funny and they do a really good job but it's like your ability to choose how you experience it in the moment to moment is i think a really cool aspect of games to me and i feel like it's really pronounced in this game <laughs> yeah no i, I mean think, i think that's fair yeah it, I, mean, oh, I guess ahead. what I would say to that is it, it's like it is interactive. It's interactive art. If you like, so suppose that someone makes something that is literally just a um, uh, you recreate a museum. You find a museum somewhere and you you get all the pictures of all the paintings and you place them through this little virtual game world that you've made in the Source Engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a uh, voice actor, like an art historian, go over. Um, like audio tracks and whenever you look at a painting they'll tell you some information about the painting um, and some kind of like common interpretations give you some of the background you need for that painting um, right. this is essentially the same thing you can progress through this museum at your own pace you can go from place to place you can focus on certain exhibits or other exhibits um, and you can spend as much time as you need synthesizing and understanding each piece um, but that's you know now you haven't made a game you've made a digital museum Right, so right, game and you can take that same idea. 
sorry, go ahead, James. So game games just need gameplay. They need they need lose conditions. I wouldn't even necessarily say lose conditions. Um, meaningful choices is something that I think like yeah, meaningful choices I think really help, um, and that does start to include like choose your own adventure books as games. Right. So what um, about like Telltale games? Yeah. Like yeah, those don't really have meaningful choices. They like wow, pulling um, back the veil right there. <laughs> right, that's the problem with any kind Too of definition soon. system. Yeah, <laughs> tell will remember that. <laughs> Got him. Um, yeah. It's so the difficulty with any kind of like oh, this is a very simple definition which um, like you know somehow enca- encapsulates everything that I would see and say yes, this is a game, and no, that is not a game. Um, that doesn't really exist. It's kind of like, what's that one? There's a Supreme Court judge or something, I think, that said it's like about, they said about porn, you'll know it when you see it. Um, but I think a commonality between a lot of things that I see and say, yes, this is a game, um, is meaningful choices. And, you know, these choices can be as simple as, you know, like, what upgrade do I choose? Or like, do I move over there and, and interact with those things or move over here and interact with these things instead? Um, whether that's interacting by, you know, buying something from the shop or shooting at them or something. Um, yeah. It's tough. Because you think about it like this, and there are some of those choices in terms of how you experience some of these pieces. Um, and you do, like, interact with objects in certain levels in order to progress it. Like, there is that sort of action, but you're right, it is very, very much on that edge. Um, and I think that's totally fine. Like things can be in that liminal space, and I think that's kind of cool when they are. Like definitions in the end are a tool for communication, but they aren't really necessary for um, like a piece of art to work. Like this experience, whether you call it a game or like a walking simulator or like a, whatever you want to call it, um, was pretty neat. I liked it. Um, I, I think I would actually prefer to play through it again um, to now that everything has been recontextualized by kind of the ending bits Mm. um, and go through it again with those lenses. Um, Yeah. Actually, yeah. If you're willing to submit yourself, it's pretty intense. Don't you think? I at least, yeah. Did anyone else find it really intense? Like I, I definitely found it to be quite intense. Oh, I mean, I found so much to really think and ponder it right after I finished playing the game I literally wrote a whole like three pages down of just stuff I wanted to talk about with this game just because the underlying themes I mean there's just so much to talk about in terms of underlying themes the sound design which is incredible in my opinion and um just the overall message the game sends as well yeah. Um, there's a lot to unpack here with the game, and it really did kind of impact me in a way. There were some times I was just kind of like, had to just kind of sit back as I was playing the game and just go like, damn. Do you have wow. like a particular thought in mind, like a, a, like a particular spot that made you sit down like and, and, and sit back? Um, if there was a particular, well, looking at it in retrospective, so while I was playing it and then also looking, looking back at that level, I think the notes level, which you McCoy mentioned with the Dark Souls like comments, (laughs) um, 
that level really struck me because I have to admit, like, for a while, I thought this was actually, like, Coda was a real person. I didn't really think about the voice actor. Really, the only thing that clued me in was just how perfectly the music fit with the levels. And I was just like, yeah, "Yeah, Coda probably wouldn't care about instrumentals and, like, the tone that the music sets for the scene. Um, so that clued me in, but at the point when I hit notes, I thought Coda was still, still a real person. And when you learn that Coda is the one who's leaving all these notes and just some notes are just kind of bullshit, you know, they're, you know, shit posts like, yeah. you know, <laughs> but ah, at- how do you open this door? Or like, <laughs> ah, can anyone hear me? And well, but off this edge. I think is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, but then you get like just some like really sad ones. There's like this one note that's all alone in a corner and you go up to it and it's just like, God, I'm so alone. And I was like, oh man, (laughs) that, that really like, that really struck a chord. But, you know, it's interesting how the narrator of this game, his whole objective throughout the level, up until I'd say like the last level in the epilogue, the narrator's trying so hard to interpret to us the viewer what coda's games mean yeah for sure and it's so interesting the aspects that he fixates on and then the other aspects that he's just like oh yeah this means nothing just go like pass over it like whatever absolutely and a way that i thought that was interesting was um in the notes level you come across a large painting of dots Mm -hmm. yeah um and all of the comments around it are looking at it being like, what does it mean? What does it mean? And then there's one comment that says, this doesn't mean anything. And I just kind of thought that was interesting because that whole situation of looking at a piece of art, trying to figure out the meaning, when probably in reality, someone just put a lot of dots on a canvas and was just like, cool, it looks pretty. Cool, print it. We're good. Uh like that's it kind of foreshadowed to the end of the game where Coda himself is just like I just like making games. There's no underlying meeting, goddammit. Like I yeah. stop trying to make something it isn't. Stop putting lampposts in my game. Damn, that was <laughs> Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting line. I I actually yeah. did something similar to you, Zoe, except I recorded my notes like while I was playing the game. And one of the things that I said around that time, I think, was, is the narrator omniscient? Um, mm. And is that an intentional design choice? Like, whether the narrator is or isn't, like, kind of all-knowing about what the games mean um, by the developer? Because uh, at that point, I decided that both Coda and the narrator were, like, fictional so what do you think um i think that the narrator is not omniscient i think that the narrator is his own interpreter of the games and the levels and um and there are there are purposes and meanings to it which he does not understand i think that's kind of a big part of it right like there's that punchline at the end where it's like Oh, you know, stop adding lampposts to my games. And that kind of shows that, uh, that is the moment for me, at least, 
like this had been kind of coming as we got to that point, but that was yeah. the moment where it flips, where you realize that as you play the beginner's guide, you are not having Davy help you walk through what the games um, that Coda made mean to Coda, but rather um, that the beginner's guide is a glimpse into Davy, who like Davy is really the main character of the game, not Coda. Yeah, um, they're both important characters, but Davy is the one who the beginner's guide is a window into. Um, and him having put lampposts everywhere is, I think, kind of an attempt for Davy to insert meaning into Coda's games in a way that helps him. Um, so he's kind of perverting someone else's art to, to meet his own satisfaction. Um, right. I also felt it. A, it was a way for him just to get, as he says, just some sort of, um, some sort of satisfaction to you know helping coda in a way you know he he's constantly talking about this battle um just trying to validate himself um and make him seem like he's a great guy for trying to get these games out there um and i had a train of thought and it just escaped my mind um oh no uh the fact that he the game starts out and it sounds like you are taking a class in game design. Like the narrator is very formal, very instructive. Oh, <laughs> what what I just hit the space bar. Uh which oh, apparently paused Audacity and oh, made yeah. it start playing from the beginning. Fix it in post, fix it in post. And yeah, I lost I, James' audio, and so... <laughs> I, I do, at one point, still want to go back and make that podcast I talked about where it's just fully an hour of people futzing with microphones and audacity and how to make a podcast and how the fuck this works at all. And then that's just, the end of the podcast? Yeah, and then as soon as they figure it out, that's the end. Or it just, it, it just trails off. So, Dude, sorry we, I mean, to take this have... oh, in a totally different direction, but that's actually, like, almost equivalent to a play that my uncle directed in college called was yesterday where there's a half taken down set and the play's about 15 minutes and it's just some stagehands taking apart the set talking about how great the play was that closed yesterday <laughs> genius I love that. <laughs> so is That's that a like game <laughs> what meaningful choices do you have when they're taking down i guess you could you have the choice to leave but that's probably the choice of yeah. that. that's like um yeah i won't i won't talk about that game because you know this shouldn't be a podcast where we spoil every game um just the anyway. one we talked about you mean like we come with a list like every person spoil five games per episode like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just, but, but okay, but like, let's say, okay, so I definitely see the point in, in that it's diving into to Davy as opposed to Coda, but there is so much that I feel like as you or me, the the ex person experiencing these games, like I may not 100% align with the narrator on his interpretations of the games, but I think he's not necessarily getting at totally crazy shit. Like, there's a lot of stuff in that where I'm like, oh, I, I kind of see your points here. Like, when he's talking, okay, when there's the stage, it's one of the first instances where the stage shows up. Um, yeah. And you're like having like an interview with this other character and then eventually you leave the stage and these just huge grates like sh like fall from the like the sky to like lock you off the further you step away from the stage. 
it's powerful. And you sit there yeah. and you're like, okay, well, surely, even if you're starting to sit there and, and maybe unravel who is really interpreting who, if if Coda made that, I mean, there's, I feel like that to me as an art critic or just as a general critic wants so desperately to attribute some of that to Coda. Like, I, I was, it was difficult for me to like undo it all from him, even though he wanted it undone from himself. So I, I sort of see that at play. Right, the story is so convincing in a way. Like, I feel like as I was playing it, I was just like, oh, I've known somebody like Coda. This is completely something a person like Coda would do. Um, And yeah, in a way, like, even with the kind of hints that this was all just a quote-unquote fictional story, like, I in a way wanted it to be real um, just because of how convincing they laid out the levels and just the overall attitude that each level brought. I was just like, I know that person. That's like, very interesting. Makes sense. I think that's a really good point to raise, that the way they did the writing in this game is incredible. Because it's... Um, so, ordinary, there are really two characters in this in this game. Um, there's Coda and there's Davy. Yeah. And this is a story... Like, you could have written a story, like a book or something like that, or made a movie um, that kind of does the same thing. It tells you Coda, and it, tell, it tells you about Coda, and it tells you about Davy. And maybe you could even go through and have like flashbacks and then the meeting and whatever. Um, and that really wouldn't have had as much of a punch um, because there are, with maybe fewer layers of abstraction, like e- even now we kind of question whether Davy and Coda are like real. Like actually Davy, Davy is a real person. Um, I believe he was playing a persona in this game. But if you come into this game, um, if you come into the beginner's guide thinking, oh, okay, Davy is real, Coda is real. Um, you come into it from a certain perspective that is very different. It's like how, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but the movie, the Coen Brothers film Fargo, yeah. it starts off with, mm-hmm. based on true events, like a little title card that says this is based on true events. Yeah. That's a lie. Yeah. Nothing like that ever happened. It's just purely, it's just there because they wanted to fuck with the audience, probably, um, and possibly because they wanted to make the film seem more real and visceral. Um, and I think they've done kind of a similar thing here. Um, and that in combination with the way they tell the story through, it's almost environmental storytelling, um, and like meta storytelling. I don't really know how to describe it exactly. Um, but the way they reveal these two characters through not dialogue or text necessarily, but through the particular ways they did it. I don't have a better way of describing that. I'm sorry. Um, It's like if you, um, like, I don't know if you've ever played a game where there's an option to turn on commentary mode. I love to do that with games if it's available, where I'll play it once without commentary and then I'll play it with commentary. It was like that kind of style, though. It was like you were going through the rooms and, you know, the developers just going going like, oh, this is the interesting part that we thought about with this room, except it was a story in a way. So as I was playing it, I kind of saw more of that like commentary node where I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm going to learn about game design today. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I, I guess that's the way that's kind of what I was trying to get at. It's as if you were trying to tell a story, but you told it through a really odd medium. It's telling a story through the developer commentary rather than telling just like it's almost like telling a story through scientific journals. Like yeah. No one expects there to be a story there. And you're told that this is like a true event and you're you're primed to think of this from such a different angle that it's able to hit you harder because you don't have your like defense mechanisms up for you know this is fiction 
Yeah, and I definitely did not have right. my defense mechanisms up. Like, I, I, I noticed things were a little off, but I, I sort of chose... There was this moment in my mind where it was like, okay, realistically, this is probably all fake. And the second that occurred to me, it was like, okay, but if I am willing to suspend my disbelief a little and just accept this for what it is and think maybe this guy touched up the games a little bit to make them more cohesive together and, like, I'm just willing to live in that world as if it was true, like then the whole the whole game hits so much harder for sure like it, for sure and and like just the way this game washes over you if you let it is intense um especially as it builds like you know the music and stuff you know it's just sitting there and it, it just slowly takes that that tone like i feel like if i were to play it a second time i would one of the things i would focus on is just how the music is chosen throughout the different events to try to bring you the the listener and the and the game player like along this very particular journey with them because it is oh yes intense man yeah it is i i completely agree i actually want to talk about that a little bit um so the sound design i agree was fantastic um it sets the mood perfectly um but in a way it's almost too perfect because the sound design as I was playing through it, I was like, there's no way Coda did, I, I think Zoe men- mentioned this before. It's like, there's no way Coda did this with the sound design. There's no way the character Coda used the sound design for this. Like, it's maybe plausible, but it doesn't sound right. Um, the sound design is too good to match these shitty 2008 source mods, right? right. Like, so that to me allowed me to pull some of my defense mechanisms back up, if you will, and like come at it from the angle of fiction. But what's um, interesting is I, I thought of that, but then I sort of tried to like tried to find this middle ground where I was like, well, maybe because in my head, the setup was these games existed probably without sound and potentially with different light when he yeah. made them initially. And then this guy came in with a story on top and, and some production work and was just like, I'm going to change this up. And I know it's like that's me adding a lot, but that sort of then kept the suspension for me. That was definitely um, the story that I kind of told myself. Um, actually the very first thing that I wrote as I was going through the games, uh, this is so much better than star seed. <laughs> yeah, <Damn exactly>. <laughs> exactly. Um, actually I said, um, it, this feels like game development as diary, um, for Coda. Like these are his own like personal thoughts and whatever. It's like, uh, which, I'll come back to later, but also does it matter if Coda is a real person or not? No. And I said, I think no, because the fact that like the fact that this person (laughs) could exist, like makes the story real on some level. Like the fact that this person does exist, but maybe not like definitely not like making these specific games. Um, So that's that's where I was coming from. Yeah, and that's what kind of what I was wondering is like, um, is it, could it be, you know, on one side could it just be, it's just some kind of character that uh, Davy created um, and then could play out this kind of elaborate uh, reveal story. Um, or I wonder if like, you know, Coda is a certain part of Davy, maybe like a different side of him that he kind of finally acknowledged for this game. And manifested you, into a separate person. When you say that, do you mean Davy, the real, actual human being, or Davy, the character that Davy is playing in this game? I think the real, actual Davy, like 
maybe there is some part of him that does feel this loneliness or this uh this isolation in his games and in his uh in his head that he manifested into these but it that could just actually, be an overanalyzation. No, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Because I feel like that is part of what makes this game so strong. Is that it just does sell this idea of these two people and of the darkness. And whether or not it's one person who made it. Like the, like the game just feels like it could have been made by a single person who's trying to dive in to themselves and splitting themselves into multiple pieces like it's just totally believable that's kind of yeah that's kind of how i view it um whether i'm correct or wrong i mean it kind of remains to be seen but that at least that was my takeaway from experiencing this but it's funny when you say correct though because it's like that may that may or may not be how it was made in the real world but that is how the experience plays you know and i feel like the experience does a lot to try to evoke what you're saying Mm -hmm. so i think that it's totally fair like it like it might have been made by 40 people and they all had a design doc that wrote every piece of it but it does doesn't feel like that it, it comes off like a dive into one person's like split crazed psyche mm-hmm. uh, at least to me yeah and i could actually see this being like i think i don't remember exactly how long the credits were but it was definitely not just like one person yeah um it could have been written by one person and then several people helped out um with actually implementing it but this idea of Davy being a split and Coda being a persona, I could see Coda being metaphorical in, um, and forgive me if I, I mangle the words here because this just came to me as you talked about this game. Um, but Coda, like, Coda made these, like, little weird shitty games that Davy says, like, you know, I saw something in them and I really liked them for certain things. Um, and there were just these weird little games that I really enjoyed. Um, and helped me through a hard time. So it could be that Coda is a persona within Davy, um, which, you know, makes these games as journaling, makes these games as therapy. Um, and it's totally fine. These games aren't supposed to be shared with anyone. They're personal. Um, and Davy, the other part of this, needs external validation. And against the purpose of this, these journals, shares them with everyone and gets that validation from people around them. Um, but in doing this, destroys the sanctity of that journaling and destroys Coda, that persona's ability to make these things, um, which is what ends up happening, right? Like, Davy, the character, shares Coda, the character's work, and this poisons Coda's ability to work and destroys Coda, and, and Coda no longer makes games. It could be that Davy is lamenting the ability to go back and make these little shitty games that were just for himself, um, making these prisons, um, just games as therapy for himself. Um, and Davy is maybe lamenting the fact that he has destroyed that thing for himself because of his constant need for affirmation. Yeah. And that's kind of what I, uh, sorry, just real quick. That's kind of what I, uh, think about and like, you know, he can create something for himself that he really enjoys, but there's another side of him that's saying like, well, but other people won't enjoy this. So I need to make this relatable to others or, you know, I could, so I can, you know, market this, uh, product, so to speak, even though it's against, yeah, exactly. It's like the, the audience needs something to grasp onto rather than just this thing that I made for myself that I myself enjoy. Hmm. 
Right, there's this growing sense of uneasiness I got throughout playing the game. Um, mainly in the sense that, yes, these games were meant for Coda and Coda alone. Um, and the fact that uh, Davies was implementing his own modifications into the game to make the game quote-unquote playable, which that was a big theme in the, in the story, was right. playable versus non-playable games. And he was... Like, between um, the first level when you're going through the labyrinth and he's like, yeah, this is boring. I'm just going to shoot you to the end of the maze. And I'm just like, wait, yeah. what? But what if I want to do the maze? Yeah, right. The staircase one. Yes. Did um, you go back into when the he maze? Says, uh, I did not go back into the maze, but um, yeah, Davey so gets I, mad I didn't at end you. up doing that. The staircase one? <laughs> no, but the, just, just real quick, but though, the that level was the stunning. The staircase one? Yeah, the the slow staircase. Like, that was just such an impressive thing to do in one plane. I don't know. That yeah. You, I don't right. mean to, but it was so impressive. But when I played the staircase level, and he says, oh, you can press enter and you go back to normal speed, so just get up and go to the open door, I actually persisted, and I was just like, no. Koda wanted me to do this slowly. I'm doing it slowly. And I waited, I think it takes about three minutes to get up to the top of the staircase if you do it that way. <laughs> wow. Um, but I couldn't go through the doorway. Oh. Like, the only way to actually proceed in the game is to go along with the modification, which huh. I thought was hmm. crazy. And so that made me a little uneasy. I'm like, uh, he's implementing his own modifications into this game that's strictly Coda's, and I don't know how I feel about this. And that's think about and how well that's that actually really fits. cool that like you need to do what Davy says. That's like right, and you yeah. know it was intentional. It wasn't just like a goof because this the same guy who made the Stanley Parable they account for everything. Right, exactly. I've never so played. So it the Stanley was just Parable. like that's when I kind of grew uneasy. That's just like I need to play by Davy's rules, and the only way I'm going to get to the end of this game is if I play by Davy's rules in a game that's not even quote unquote his. Yeah, but it and, is right. He's totally taken it over and put them together, and you know, like put his own narration over it. Like he's completely taken control. Right, just and like even when it comes to the last of Coda's levels, the tower where. Coda is trying so hard to keep you from getting to the end of the level. Like, he does the impossible maze, and he does the impossible six-digit code, and yet Davies is fighting through and hacking into the system to allow you to proceed. Um, like, it all comes to a head in that level when it's just like, stop modifying my games. Why yeah. are you putting lampposts in my games? I want these for myself and myself only. Why are you ignoring me? So I like that was definitely something that I was just, you know, it's just, yeah, the ever increasing sense of uncertainty of like, is Davies doing the right thing? Like, I can sympathize with Davy that he really wants to help his friend. But like, dude, you just got to let it alone. Like, maybe he doesn't want this. That's interesting. So I want to this is maybe think about the, the cleaning level, right, where it's ostensibly in the space between the two doors um which that's a theme we should talk about at some point um but it's in the space between the two doors and you sit there and you clean and you clean and you clean and eventually um so davy originally says oh but you know eventually it stops you have to move on you you can't stay here forever you have to go yeah um boy. but which is later small. on yeah later on he says it's like <laughs> yeah i modified that game because ordinarily it just you know it kept going you kept cleaning forever mm. 
Um, so that was Davy, you know, and the last bit of it is, is just a shitty room with a lamppost. It's Davy saying, you, you're not allowed to be in this relaxing space. You have to, you have to leave keep that. It's childish. Games. Yeah. For me. Games have to be finished. 100%. That's, that particular scene or that game as it plays out was just like crushing for me at least because it was like it just felt like it was trying to tell me like you know you want to stay in this like it felt like it spoke directly to like a human nature of like oh i i enjoy certain patterns in my life and i want to stay in them but they're not progress and there's a lot of like themes like that where they speak about like no but you must progress right like you must move forward you must improve you must etc and it's it was so interesting to see later realizing that Coda didn't even want to force that message, that that was actually a different message. Like just seeing that unwind itself later was just so intense because you can totally feel the, at least I could feel the part of myself that would love to just, I, I wouldn't be that game for me, but it would be a game, right? Or you, even in a meta level, some of the games I do play like Counter-Strike are like that space in between for me. They're like cleaning. It just feels so good. I can stay here forever. It's so fun. And so just feeling that that idea of like you have to push through this, you have to go forward, and that how uncomfortable that force is, I think it, it comes across so well in this game. Um, so to me, that whole theme is just intrinsically tied to depression. Mm -hmm. um, like, do you guys think that Coda is actually depressed or just kind of a weird dude, <clears throat> solitary? Hmm. Because, it's, yeah, oh, it's just tough to answer. But I, I would say yes. But that's because I, I still hang on to this idea of like we can reverse engineer the person from the art, and right. I love it dearly. And it's the critic's mindset to some degree. You know, it's just like it's believing. It's almost like the psychologist's mindset too. Like oh, I can tell from outside what you're feeling inside. It's like kind of a crazy concept, but it's like something I hold on to. And so, from what you see from these games, like, I would say yes. Like, that's the sense that I got. And I think that it's, yes. I'm, but, like, and, you know. And but even though he says, I'm not depressed, maybe I just like building prison levels or whatever. So, I think, I am not sure if he's depressed or not. Because uh, under the interpretation that, uh, well, I think that, what Gabe kind of led me to that Coda is not real, that Coda is a persona of Davies. Um, well, but ignoring that, um, I think the character Coda, if he is real within the fiction, oh, this is getting confusing. Um, <laughs> I believe that Coda is still, he's making games just for himself. And like, if you were to read my journal, like I would not come across as the kind of person I come across as in real life, because I only write about certain things. Mm -hmm. So it may be that Coda is using games as a way to work through um, certain feelings and like that's not going to be all that someone is. Um, Coda presumably is not making games full time. Um, Coda may, Except I think Davey starts to mention that the time between games takes longer and longer. And so it may just be that he feels down sometimes and makes a game and it doesn't take him six months to make that game. It takes him two weeks um, just for when he was feeling down, and it's a way of him moving past that. 
I mean, based on the games and the, like, the whole, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, schedule? The length of time it took Coda to theoretically make those games, like, sort of broke my immersion. Um, just because it felt way too fast for one dude to be able to, like, the, um, the level where the walls drop away and it's like a landscape of, of corridors and, and staircases. Oh yeah. That was, that was stunning as well. That was, that was like a really powerful moment to me. Um, just thinking about like <clears throat> what, what you see of a person versus their mind versus what they're actually thinking about and about how like the, the observer doesn't get the full story ever. Um, but also like just the whole landscape of, of corridors would take months to, to make, right? Unless you built an algorithm that just made crazy shit. I mean, I guess I'm not a game developer. I don't really know how long it would take to make that, but yeah, it certainly seemed incredible. Like, I mean, but the things you can't really, you can't go there. So you don't really know if they're fully fleshed out or what they are or right. any, any of that. I actually, in playing the game, wanted to open up the console and yeah. break Davy's version of Coda's version of the game and fly around and go to the places that even Davy wouldn't let you go. Nice. Um, unfortunately, the tilde button didn't work, and I think I would have to do some work to make that happen. But And that was enough for me. I'm out. And then I gave up. No, I didn't necessarily give up. It's because I did this like an hour before we started. Yeah, um, fair enough. Well, so there's a rant, by the way, at the end, going back to the previous topic of just saying, like, is Coda depressed? There's a rant where Davey eventually starts saying, like, no, it was just to get at stuff in myself, which is sort of like trying to say that, no, it's he who is depressed instead, um, which is yeah. why I think it's so beautiful to think of them as two parts of the same whole, is it just feels like this inner battle between, like, the person who demands all this outward validation and he's just constantly depressed. And then the other person who's just trying to just do this thing that was once enjoyable for him and, and now it's no longer because he's tied it to, to work or he's tied it to validation or he's tied it to some other force that eventually killed his, his engine, if you will. Oh, yeah, oh. that is what that sequence meant. I, I hadn't caught that until now. But the, the sequence where there's the whole group of press people and right. there are these outside forces, you know, destroying what coda has made destroying what coda has done because coda no longer can and this these external forces are ruining that for coda yeah yeah like he tied it all like that to me always spoke of this concept of like god it's so silly it's funny that we are all doing a podcast now but i <laughs> I, I sit here and i think of all the forces over the past five years that have just gone directly into my ear and they've been like follow your passion follow your passion follow your passion you're like dude i'm just trying to chill can you leave me alone um <laughs> and like no but i think about that and it's like there is this inherent danger in connecting your passion to more than a passion there is the danger that you kill it outright um and it has to do with like the stresses of work and the stresses of progress and forward and all that stuff and it's a delicate thing um and i think that's partially what there's at least what this game speaks to me um like when I first started doing data analysis, I was like a bunch of years ago, I was really excited about it. It was really fun. And I learned a lot on my own while I was working at a grocery store. Like, you know, it was like all of my free time. It was really fun. Um, and then I started doing it professionally. And 
I didn't realize the force, how that was going to change the feeling of it. And it like burnt me out really fast because I started doing it all day and then I wanted to just do something else. But then I could no longer take that special passion at nighttime that I would do after work to dedicate to it because I didn't have it any longer. Mm. And just watching it morph over time, being like going from a passion to a profession was so interesting to me. And I feel like that's part of what this game is trying to explain in terms of the dangers of that. Right. Yeah. So one question I have, um, kind of coming from all of this. So there's the title of the game, and titles are an important thing. Um, so this is the beginner's guide. Mm. Please interpret. What does Zoe think? Here's a baton. <laughs> We're throwing baton. We're throwing batons at you, Zoe. <laughs> this is kind. Yes, I get that. Uh. The Beginner's Guide. Well, in a way, like, so when I think of just the phrase, the Beginner's Guide, the first thought before I even opened the game was tutorial. It was a kind of along the same thought that I had where this sounded like a commentary on game design and game development. So it just kind of seemed like a, like, game design for dummies kind of walkthrough. Um, but then, you know, as things fall apart, I'm trying to figure out if the name Beginner's Guide has any other deeper meaning with the conclusion of the game. Yeah, or and, if it's just a tool to throw you off. I mean, seriously, just like the... Right, and and that's the, that's kind of what I'm coming to the conclusion of. I honestly think because of how the game starts, it's just supposed to kind of like we've been saying, put your defenses down, make you think that you're going through a weird, quirky game that just is exploring this guy's colleagues or this guy's friends' weird, shitty games. Um, so I just kind of, yeah, I think it's like a, just kind of a way to kind of put the person at ease before they open the game. So then when the real shit hits the fan it really impacts you in a way. Interesting. I have some thoughts. Um, does anyone else want to say anything first, though, before I ruin the conversation immediately? <laughs> wow, I'm now really curious what you have <laughs> to say that's going <laughs> to ruin the conversation. <laughs> oh, I just assume that about everything Craig. I say. Um, did you just ask Craig if he had an opinion? Yeah, yeah. just Cra Craig. I know that you're recording, but... <laughs> that's yeah. like when... Craig <laughs> that's I guess like Craig's when busy. When people ask the producers for something, like, hey, man, can you look this up? And they're exactly. just like, dog, I am running the show here. I have got shit to do. Um, but, <laughs> exactly. Uh, ruin it, man. So, yeah, I... So, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Zoe, um, in that I don't think... Like, it does kind of come off to say this is going to be a tutorial. But that is so... For me, that it was so immediately shown not to be the case, right? Because it's like... It's not supposed to be a guide. It's supposed to be a retrospective. Um, and it's supposed to be more developer commentary than like how to make games. Um, and to me, it only really makes sense in retrospect and it kind of makes sense. Um, and thanks again, Gabe, for kind of snapping this into focus for me with the multiple personas thing. Of course. Um, 
I hadn't really considered that, and I'm, I, I think that that's the correct interpretation of this game. We're done. Congrats. Um, nice. Uh, this is the guy <laughs> who recommended Star Sea Pilgrim. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am never going to be free of that. God, um, no. So, it's kind of like a, maybe it comes off to me as like a warning of this is what obsession and this is what commercialization can do to someone. Um, you can lose this thing. Um, so I'm going to guide you through the process that I went through. Well, me speaking from real Davy's perspective, um, right. he is walking us through the process of, you know, if you decide to really focus on and make games for other people because of a need for validation, you won't be able to make certain things like certain things will forever escape you. Um, you won't be able to make things that are genuine and personal to you. Um, if you are trying to seek validation. Um, so to me, it's a guide to beginners. Like you're not going to be able to make the fun things that maybe you want to make. Yeah, that, I feel like that ties a lot with sort of the idea of like bringing a passion into and, and marrying it with profession and just like what the sacrifices are there and what that can do to you. And the, and the message by the way, is it will depress you basically (laughs) it will destroy you. Um, yeah, but I totally see that. Um that connection. It's 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 powerful, man. I I must say like in the in the midst of us doing all this, like in the midst of us, you know, coming out and trying to like just get something together and talk to each other, it just sounds like it it just really speaks to that of like I I I've tried so hard to try to keep the idea of this podcast and I don't think you guys have any problem with this but just like keep it fun and conversational like we're just having a good time um but i think so much about how scared i am that it stops being that at any point in time for any reason like imagine if i cut in here and i said well it turns out that we're gonna have to do a little commercial break for these a pair of razors that none of us use like you know what i mean like it's just that um, hey, hey mccoy yes sorry to pull back the, the curtain here for you but i'm pretty sure they do all that in post Mm. and it would never actually be like it's not a part of a conversation in almost any podcast to my knowledge like they just like griffin as they're going through the adventures and whatever just finds a logical stopping point does some magic with audacity or whatever he uses and just crams a commercial in there right and i do see that it's not for the conversation but it is for the experience when listened to do you know what i mean right right but that's the end product right like that is someone coming in there and inserting a lamppost because it ought to be there you know what I mean? Like it's it's Are totally you that. Jam lampposts into our conversation, McCoy. Depends on how much they pay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean seriously, it's just like I, I see such clear parallels to that sort of stuff. It, it really is uh, striking. Um, I found myself getting so anxious when playing this game. Uh, I can be an anxious person sometimes, and I don't even notice it. But I just found myself just like, like just kind of like rubbing my legs and just like, sort of like anxiously moving because it was just like. It was a really well-told dive into, like, some of the deeper parts of, I feel like, everyone's mind, maybe to some degree more than others. But, like, I don't know. Did you guys... Like, I definitely identified with this game in a lot of ways. Like, in both of the characters and what their motivations were. And it just... It was so clear to me who they were and who they were in me. Like, did, did anyone else have a similar experience? Yeah. Well, and I would attribute the uneasiness... Well, yeah, because you kind of see 
yourself a little bit in it, but I would also attribute it to the sound design. Mm. Some of the sounds in that game were very unpleasant to listen to and really made me start to like kind of freak out of what was happening. And like, um, I think it's the level islands where you are on this like stone and there's clouds around you and as you answer a question like a stone and it's this beautiful harmonic music as a new path forms even though you're talking about like how oh like these games aren't fun for me anymore maybe i should just quit creating but that keeps on this like harmonic like pathway and then you get to the wall of words that show your answers to all the questions Mm -hmm. that you just answered and then the sobbing that comes yeah. up when you're breaking the walls away. I was cringing and I was terrified <laughs> and I didn't want to break the walls down anymore. But because this is a game about progression as well, you had to listen to those sickening sounds. And I just found myself like kind of like wincing as I went forward. I'm like, I just, uh, stop. No, where's the harm? Like, where's the melody? Where's that wonderful stuff I just listened to? Yeah, level, uh, um, level fucked me up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Yeah. Yeah. For me, no. the level that fucked me up the most was the part where, Coda, actually, it's the only part where Coda speaks directly to Davy. It's the signs in, the, in that ending bit where he says, stop putting lampposts on my games, you piece of shit. Um, like, that to me, it's like, oh, hey, this is my greatest fear is that people have hated me all along and they want me to go away and won't even give me a chance to apologize. Um, and that also impacts Davy super hard. And so he makes the, be- the beginner's guide to like be both a fuck you and a cry for please pay attention to me um, out at Coda. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. that was a very like, I, like to think that I wouldn't do that, but there would certainly be an urge to do that in that kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Just the whole ending sequence. Like once you start to realize shit's about to go fucking crazy and it just takes you like I, for doing my, my due diligence, I watched a, a let's play of this. Cause I like both. I'm interested in how they mix their audio, but it also their reaction. And we're never going to be this one lady who is just some like teenage girl somewhere. And she was just, bawling like just tears out of her eyes in the last sequence just trying to hold on to this like roller coaster and um that's really what it honestly was towards the end like it was a roller coaster if you were willing to get into it like i would say like from breaking down the walls actually maybe even from the stage from the stage onward it just it just goes in a completely different direction and it was oh my god i don't know i don't even know if i have anything to say it was just so fucking intense man I don't like. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know. You sound exactly how I sounded after I exited the game. Just like, ugh. So damn, the, dude. The rest of this uh. podcast will us just kind of ineffectually babbling, trying to articulate our feelings about this game. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, I got the unlock. Uh, just. Uh, uh, I just can't. I don't have the words to. Mm. Yeah. Uh. If only I had the words for this audio podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This but is... I just came to the realization of something. Uh huh. Do you think in us trying to interpret this game, we are inserting our own lampposts into the beginner's guide? Yes, I oh, think absolutely. all critics are like that. Yes. No, we're, we're entirely uh, we're entirely in the right here. Um, we are. <laughs> so, well, actually, though, I do have I do have a real less facetious opinion on that. Um, 
so yeah, in a sense, we are like trying to find meaning in a piece of art. Um, and that is, in a sense, inserting lampposts into something. But now that I'm looking at it from that perspective, I think Coda is somewhat unreasonable in, well, as long as they're metaphorical lampposts, I think you have to be able to insert metaphorical lampposts into work. Um, I'm more of a postmodernist. I believe in the death of the artist. Um, once an artist has released their work to the world, it is up to the world to interpret it, and the artist no longer has control over how it is interpreted. Um, and so for an artist to be angry at a consumer of their art for finding meaning in it, saying, no, you are interpreting my art incorrectly, um, is a little odd. Yeah, but it happens all the time. Yeah, well, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like it's like it's not acknowledging the sort of handshake that happens when someone consumes a piece of art. Yeah. Like there's a part of them that is then put up and potentially played with and potentially connected to uh it reminds me of a childhood memory or reminds me of this feeling that I had previously when I was whatever. Like and that and that is a very valid part of the consumption of art. And Although, so that's sort of where the lampposts are, right? Like you're saying, this yeah. me- this means it to me. Like this this says it to me. Notably, though, Coda, the character Coda, never intended for their art to be consumed. So, in that mm. sense, it's entirely reasonable to say, "Hey, stop playing my game. Stop getting something out of it. They're for me. Like I don't want you to look at my games. Yeah. It's like reading my journal. Don't do that." Right. I would love to read your journal. <laughs> I'm just, just throwing it out there. Yeah, what you should do, McCoy, is is um, steal my journal, publish it online, um, and and then ask me why the fuck I'm not journaling anymore. Yeah. Wow, and you'll notice here there's been further and further distances between his journal entries, and I think that's because he fell into a dark spell after, you know. <laughs> and then ask the audience why Adam doesn't like you anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I really messed up somehow, but I don't know how. You know what I'll do? I'll take his journal, and then I'll make a piece of interactive media about it, apologizing. Right? <laughs> so it reaches more people. Yeah. All right. Then, then Senpai will have to notice me. Ah. <laughs> uh. I'm glad that you were able to find a an appropriate and funny point for Senpai Notice Me. <laughs> that just makes me happy. Oh man. Stop inserting Senpai's will notice me into my work. Yeah. So 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 I'm curious, like how was the ending of this game for you? Like knowing that you came in and pretty much throughout the whole thing was were were in the story. Like you bought in. Like, how impactful was something like this as it just started to go insane? I would say very impactful. Like I said, after after ending the game, I kind of just had to sit there and put all of my initial thoughts on paper. But then as I was writing my initial thoughts, I really started going into like the deeper meanings of everything. And then it just kind of, in a way, mentally exhausted me just with the heaviness of it all. Um, yeah. Hey, Zoe. Uh, on a scale from one to ten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah, if you guys can keep giving me shit for Star Seed Pilgrim, I'm gonna keep giving Zoe shit for that. <laughs> Seems fair. <laughs> um, Seems fair. Uh, She's the person not impacted it, by that. 
It was very mentally exhausting for me, though. That's yeah. my conclusion. Yeah. And it was very heavy. And I think it's fair to say we all saw parts of ourselves in Coda as well as in Davies. Oh. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's just that's how that's how brilliant the writing is in this game, considering that it's quote unquote fiction, like I said, like the ideas expressed can apply to almost anyone who plays it. And that's something really special. So this game was hard and exhausting, and Starseed Pilgrim was hard and exhausting, but you guys all love this game. <laughs> I know. I honestly could have gotten a ton of shit from people being like, so I was trying to have a good day on a Thursday or a Friday when I came home from work, and you just fucking set me down with this game. I mean, that could happen. I think that would be reasonable. Um, yeah, what the fuck, McCoy? I know. Oh, man, I feel so bad. Like, Gabe and I were just playing this game, and we were, like, you know, lighthearted. We almost did it on Thursday, but we ended up just instead just, like, hanging out. And like drinking beers or whatever. And so then we're like, okay, we gotta do this on Saturday. And I'm so glad when I was like four beers in and barely coherent that I didn't just like start this game. That could have been <laughs> that could have been a roller coaster. <laughs> uh. This game in a certain way reminds me, um, has anyone played uh The Static Speaks My Name? Nope. Okay. Um so that's a game that will take maybe ten minutes for you to beat and it's free on Steam, and I would recommend you go look at it. Um, and I guess since this would be spoilers for everyone here and I am just doing this for the funsies, I'm not doing this for a podcast. Fuck the audience. Um, I'll just let you guys go play that. That's just a recommendation of mine. I think it relates somewhat to this game. Um, less now that I've thought more about this game, about the beginner's guide, but it's still a very good game. It relates somewhat to this whole, um, interaction between art, the artist and the consumer of the art. Um, and I, I would recommend you all go look at that game. It is unsettling, though. You know, just oh be aware. Dude, honestly, okay, I make fun of a lot of people for, for just the concept of trigger warnings, especially as they were starting to come into college and they were starting to come into my, like, psych classes, which are, like, classes that are exclusively about studying people who are triggered and, like, who are people who are in really bad mental states. So it's, like, you're it's going to be about that stuff. Like, you have to not sign up for this class. Um, and thinking of how ridiculous it was in that context. But in a context like this, it's, like, I see, I see it more, a little, mm. don't you? Like it was just like, like when Adam said there, like by the way, this is going to be unsettling. Like that, there's, it's just so weird because the experience is so much stronger if you don't have that warning, but also like, you do run the risk if you're just like in the wrong mindset for something like this. If if you're four beers in and you start playing the beginner's guide, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's really hard. Like I don't know. It's, I do find that games are best for me when I know nothing at all going into them. Um, I was lucky enough to hit that with Dark Souls um, and be in a place in my life where that worked for me. Um, And like games that are able to blindside you. And I think the Beginner's Guide actually does a lot of work to blindside you you and put you in the right state. Um, Like the first couple of games and like, you know, the first thing that's literally just the the intro, the the Counter-Strike level that's just boxes in places. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It ostensibly tells you what the game is going to be about, but what that's actually doing is priming you to be viewing this from a perspective that will ideally allow you to receive the game correctly, if you will. Um, It's priming you rather than informing you. Um, And yeah, they they certainly didn't warn you about what was going to happen 
and I think that's good, but, you know, on the same side of that. Trigger warnings are good, because inflicting panic attacks on unsuspecting civilians is bad. Mean. Yeah, that's suboptimal. Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Of course, we're like a bunch of hippies, Yeah. so if people ever do listen to our podcast, boy howdy, are we going to get a bunch of hate mail about being snowflakes? I know. (laughs) By the way, every snowflake is different, so you can fuck right off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's like, this game was, was such a beautiful reminder to me, and I knew this already, but it was a beautiful reminder that like, okay, yes, like all of us here in this room, virtual room, are all like deep in on video games and we love them as a medium and we think that they can do whatever it is we want them to do um and for me that involves storytelling and it involves emotional resonance um but it was such a reminder of like wow this is a powerful medium if used correctly like yeah. if there's any question of like oh our games aren't it's like no not all of them are but yes a lot of them are and they are damn good and i feel like that's a this is such a great example of that but is this a game and we're back. <laughs> exactly. And that's Fuck a wrap. Okay. <laughs> Roll credits. No, but that's a that's a real question though. Um, like I I do believe that games can be art, but I don't know if I have seen something I consider to be a game. Um, I think that, for lack of a better term, this is a game. But do we need a term? Yes. Okay. Sometimes Why do we gotta label we this, everybody? I think this is like Adam trying to like get away with like some relationship that's not really a relationship. Like, why you gotta be like labels, man? Like, we'll just hang I'm just out. In, I'm just not into labels. Starseed Pilgrim is an interactive experience. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Starseed Starseed Pilgrim is a game because it's hard as balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And games are all about choices. Difficulty. Games should make you hate yourself. That's my hard, hard, hard stance here. All right. But Games see, are for masochists. Okay, wait. No. But if, if you think about what Zoe was saying in terms of the, the staircase level, right? In terms of you have the choice whether or not you let Davey take control, but then ultimately you don't have that choice. You have to submit. Is that not like playing with this idea of interactability or choice? Because there really are points where he's like, oh, yeah, no, here. Like, you can choose to skip this. And it's like, it's part of the the impact that you can't actually but it does present it and it does allow you to like play that experience differently that is something that like koda's character put that in for a reason and davy's character took that out um to make it more playable he did that same thing in, in a number of places like that level where it's like oh you know ordinarily um you would have to wait for a full hour in this prison but you know fuck that so we're going to ignore this thing which was a deliberate statement by the artist yeah, the prison absolutely. that looks a lot like a slaughterhouse for yeah, like, I noticed that too. Cows, yeah, that was mm. kind of fucked up. Yeah, this game was fucked up. Okay, uh, um, no, okay. Well, I was well, I was gonna mention though with the prison thing, there was an element of that game that was lost though because I think after you you're supposedly in the prison for an hour, you go into the room with the people with the boxes on their heads that say like "listen," oh, and God, yeah. they say like "were you in the prison?" and like your answers or something could be like "yeah, I was stuck in there for like for a long time," and "yeah, I was stuck in there for hours" or something like that, and like. Technically, that's 
the quote unquote correct response because if you actually played it, you'd be stuck in there for a long time. But because you skipped over that, like that element of the game was lost. You kind of felt insincere mm-hmm. making that the answer. Oh, yeah, I lied to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, me too. No, but totally. I feel like that's one of the like the first instances of like just the, the experience disconnecting in a weird way and you just starting to feel like a little disconnected from just both the game but also like the narrative happening at the same time. You're just like, oh, something is not synced between these two despite the fact that it has such a clean presentation and a clean transition between them and, and uh, soundtracks. That like That's the other thing. Like the sound goes between levels in certain cases so like it's so it's so so seamless um but there are certain things yeah like that like those talking heads which are absolutely fucking terrifying um that sort of show the disconnect so there's that other level which kind of ties into this the the ss whisper one where you um it it leads off with a title card that says to play this game correctly you have to close your eyes oh Um, yeah and like you know, there's no fucking way. There's no dialogue. There's no voice dialogue anywhere in that. So, like, you would have to, like, blindly fumble your way to the right place and with no feedback whatsoever, do it. And that's just, there's just no fucking way. And Davey's like, yeah, I'd, I'd fuck that. Open your eyes. Um, and, like, I had already done that because, yes, fuck that. Open my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, in a way, like, it, it makes me think of walkthroughs. Like, I always kind of hate using walkthroughs, but I often do because, you know, fuck that, I'm opening my eyes. Um, I don't know where to use the rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle. I don't like that. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Um, but that's losing a lot of what a game is. It's losing the discovery. Like, what- Did anyone get the door puzzle before he chimed in? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Okay. I didn't, but I kind of felt like a failure because of that. Because I was stumbling around the darkness thinking there was some secret hidden lever somewhere. And I felt like he didn't give me enough time before he just chimes in being like, okay, here's how you do it. And I was like, no, please don't. (laughs) The door puzzle was like weirdly meaningful to me. Hmm. Go on. Um, Just kind of the fact that you have to trap yourself in the darkness for a while before you're able to get yourself out. And notably, I don't think you can ever go back. Yeah, you can't. I now want to go back and play the the very second level, which I thought that was a very interesting level, the one where you can only walk backwards. Um, that actually also reminds me a little bit of Antichamber because it does a whole bunch of cool tricks that Super were not in vogue in 2008. No one had do, no one was doing that shit in 2008. Game historically inaccurate. Um, and <laughs> yeah. where it's like, as you look around, things change behind you. Um, like, if someone had actually made that in 2008, that would have been like a smash hit. If they had bothered to release it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the premise, right? That's what Davey's trying to say. Where's no, I agree, post? though. That, that level was awesome. Like, it was like, oh, this guy actually has cool ideas. Like, and I love how he starts with such a basic game, like such a, okay, yeah, there's a gun and you're escaping or whatever and all this stuff. And then it just goes weird. Mm. Like, he just like, he realizes like, screw all this shit. I don't need to make a triple A game. That's not even going to be good. Like that. I think it's just like the second you start doing the weird stuff, like the second Coda in this, you know, virtual whatever starts making the weird stuff. 
like it just got so so cool like it's so much more impactful i don't know it was, it was interesting to see that like discrepancy of like that that to me was also like hey you can you can make what everyone else is making or you can try to make something weird and different and cool um and like whether like sort of where do you fall on that spectrum like knowing that people are more interested in playing these like you know basic games with like a starscape theme or whatever i don't know god when you're shooting the the theater with that original gun oh yeah oh my god did we do it is this it we done i think i think we're good does anyone with notes have an extra point that they want to throw in no yes oh fuck let me double check my notes Zoe, read all three pages of your of your essay. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a lot of just short bursts of speech, like narrative tone goes from professional to personal. Yeah, it really does. But that's it. <laughs> if you go back, I was say, it's it's nothing that we haven't already discussed. If you go back, and I think this is a game that would be good to play twice, like if you go back and even just play the first level, introduction, um, it's it's totally recontextualized. There's a lot of lines in there that's like, yeah, I just decided to put this up, hopefully to encourage Coda to make more games because I like them and I know a lot of other people like them and I, I want to make them happy. And it's like, oh, you know that's a lie. Oh, yeah. interesting. So I had one thought, what is a game for? Who is a game for? Is it for the developer of the game or the audience? The players. Well, this, this is like the classic question right now with all these indie developers that have all these like indie ideas with their games and they're like making it so meta. Like it's all about what is it like when I made this game? Like what is the experience of making games? Like the glorification of being a game developer. Like, yeah, man, we all just get together and make game jams and stuff. Right. But it no, it's, it's like that, that question is, is really really out there today especially like where we all at least i was raised as a consumer and that was the only part of the experience that mattered or or even existed in my, as far as i could tell right right totally so for me a game like games as a medium are not meaningfully distinct from other mediums i mean they are but they can be they can fill all the same roles it's just you have to pick which medium of art is best for your purposes so like you know, art is no less or more important or meaningful as a painting, and people paint for many reasons, just as they might make games for many reasons. Um, there are a lot of weird little bullshit games that say something or say nothing, and they're just there because someone wanted to make them be there. And, like, that's fine. Like, a game doesn't have to have to be for anyone. A game can just be. Um and games can be for different people, but knowing your audience is also important. Like Starseed Pilgrim, evidently none of us were the audience for that game, but the game has an audience. And it's good to just know your audience and make a game for them, and it's totally okay to ignore other audiences. Right. Yeah, and you're definitely seeing that on the high end of AAA games where they're trying to widen their audience to so that it gets more and more people, and then they end up alienating who was actually there already. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Happens a lot. It sure does. And so it's it's weird. It's like you see two ends of the spectrum, right? It's like the indie guys that are like, I'm going to make a game for me, and that's the audience. And if you like it, because it's my shit, 
that's fine but it's my shit un you know completely unfiltered and then there's like also the other side of it where it's like the triple a game where they're just like it's for literally everyone and you should buy it um Am I roboting? Oh my god, my voice is... Yeah, you're roboting yep. like a mother. Yeah. yeah, you're kind of... Oh, solid. Well, uh, I'll just shut up then. You know, I think I'm just going to cut it off here. Uh, after this, it kind of goes off the rails. Um, for context, Craig is a bot that records audio in Discord, uh, which is something we use for our backup uh, for the podcast. And he quits, um, fails, leaves the chat. Um, and we try to decide on a game. We go round and round. Uh... I might leave some of that in at the end if you're really curious, but basically the moral of the story is next week we're going to play Tacoma. Um, Zoe swoops in with that uh, recommendation because James hadn't figured it out. Um, And uh, yeah, it's hilarious. Um, What am I even talking about? I don't know, but I think that's it. Thank you so much. There you have it. Cheers and be well. Um, I'm supposed to choose a game for the week. Yeah. Um, And... I didn't. <laughs> do you have like? Do you have like a couple? We could like you know do a shootout. Um, yeah. So I was. I did actually think uh, a while ago that it would be cool to do uh, Portal, um, mm. which we mentioned at the beginning before the show started. Just looking into like playing through Portal again as a. Uh, uh, in, with a more critical eye are people interested in doing that or should we keep going on with new games and do portal later uh, mm-hmm. i'm somewhat interested in it um i may be a little bit worried that we won't have it's been so long that, since we've had that aha moment of oh yeah that's how portals do right um, that we're going to be kind of analyzing it in a, a very different way. And that's fine. Um, I'm okay with that, but just be aware of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was also looking at the Seam store and uh, like Tomb Raider is on sale, but... Okay, hold on, hold on. There's like 18. Which one? Uh. All of them. Oh. <laughs> I think oh. that might be more than a one-week kind of act. Yeah. <laughs> but they're also So what do you all, think the difference uh, is between the second and the third in terms of uh, artistic decisions? Right. They're also Craig, all Craig died, only... Yeah, PC Craig game. just left. Well, fuck you, Craig. Wait, you can't hear me. <laughs> all right, we're cool. They're also God, all this PC is... games, so that doesn't work too well. This is like us crash landing an airplane, like right at the end. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Through the ma- magic of posts, it'll be like James decided a game instantly, and we'll all just be like, great choice. And yeah. then- <laughs> <laughs> that is a great choice. Um, exactly. I mean. Well, Craig just sent me a message. I think it's like, bro, I'm, um, what is it actually? Hold on. He personal messaged me. I've been unexpectedly disconnected. If you want me to stop recording, please command me with Craig leave. Wait, what? Are you oh, still recording? I, I think you need to say Craig re- leave because he's recording just nothing right now, probably. Yeah. Whoa. Some meta um, shit. He's like, dog, I will 
This is like some, yeah, this is literally like our own beginner's guide right here. Cause now Craig is in this like ether and he's just recording cause that's what he's been told to do. And he's an honorable person, yet he's having all this self doubt about whether he should be recording hey, nothing. Because hey, don't you think that's hey, McCoy. not the purpose? Yeah. Hey, hey McCoy, step out of your, your 15 deep meta ball and, okay. and return to reality. <laughs> okay. It's, it's okay. We're in, in real life. Oh. <laughs> We are mostly I don't like real it here. people. <laughs> yeah, no, same. But so sorry, I also found a game called 3D Hentai Shooter. Colon oh my Christmas hey, <laughs> Here's my thought, Zoe. You already have some games. Um, why don't we switch the order a bit? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, sure. Um, wow. I'm thinking, um, for us to play, I would love it if, um. We would all play Tacoma. Great choice.